Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview that I did with Louise Redknapp as part of my In Conversation series on W. I hope you enjoy this podcast is brought to you by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service. Tonight, I'll be in conversation with someone who was spotted in a nightclub at 16 and then went on to have a pop career where she sold over 15 million records. She was also named as the FHM's sexiest woman of the decade the same year she had her first baby. She's recently become a star on Strictly Come Dancing. Tonight, I'll be in conversation with Louise Redknapp. Nice to, uh, nice to see you sat down, Louise, because all I've been seeing of you in recent weeks and months is, is, is dancing. I know, yeah. It's actually quite nice to sit down. <laughs> First time I sit down, I think, in about six weeks. <laughs> How have you enjoyed the whole Strictly Come Dancing experience? Um, do you know, I, for me, it was an experience that I never expected to have. I was really nervous going into the show. Yeah. Um, we spoke about it. Yeah. Um, it was something that I never thought I'd do in a million years. So, so what made you do it this time? Because you must have been asked loads of times. Yeah, I'd been asked before, had meetings with them before, and... Um, I don't know, I, I love dancing and I love performing, but I just never thought it was something I had the guts to do because I think it's not just about dancing. You, It's a public opinion as well. You've got yeah. to hope that people like you. And I think I was most probably scared of that. I think I'd been out of the industry for so long. And then just something this year, just, I don't know what it was, I just thought, it's now or never, because I'm young enough that I can still throw everything at it. Yeah but my kid's old enough that I don't get that mum guilt. Yeah. I still yeah. got a bit of it, but just not as much as if they'd been Well, well to, to put in context, just tell everyone how old Bo and Charlie are. Yeah, Bo's eight, nearly nine, and Charlie's 12. Yeah. Going on 21, yeah. you can imagine. <laughs> like every 12-year-old <laughs> Yeah. Is. It's funny because a few people that I know who I've spoke to about it have all said the same thing. They've all said it was the best thing that they've done, but it was the most intense thing. And yeah. I'm talking like professional sports people yeah. and stuff and performers who you think, if you've done concerts, you understand the intensity of it. But it's so different because it's live. What do you dance for in each section? About 90 seconds or yeah. something? You haven't got a chance to get it wrong, have you? No, and what you sort of realise is you start off thinking, oh, I'm going to do, I'll turn up at 10 and leave at 4. I'm thinking I'll get back in time to do dinner and my day will be short and then you realize you get drawn into the competition element of the the whole show and everyone's different but for me to be one of the best was really important well that's what i was going to say does it become like its own self-sustaining bubble does everything else kind of fade yeah you and and i am the most realistic person in the world with my feet firmly on the ground but you completely get swept up in the bubble because it takes up every hour i've brushed my teeth many a times whilst i'm heel-toeing around the bathroom <laughs> 
true. <laughs> and the longer you're in it, I think the more you want to succeed at it, the more you want to get to the end. And I think I shocked myself being so kind of in it and, and lose myself in it. But, you know, everything for a reason and, and doing Strictly for me definitely made me realise what I love doing in life. Well, it was interesting to actually watch it. We spoke about it when, Loads, when yeah. we were on holiday. Just for the sake of clarification, we weren't on holiday. What happens is we, <laughs> we, we go family holidays together in Mallorca. So we were talking about it then when you'd agreed to do it. I remember you are a little bit nervous. And it was interesting to watch you in Strictly because I think what you got was the mum's vote. Like, you're a mum in her 40s with two kids grabbing back something for herself. Yeah. And you could actually see, and I think you may have mentioned it in one of the interviews somewhere, your confidence growing and your flamboyance growing and the outfits yeah. you were prepared yeah. to wear growing. And, and then all of a sudden you could, you, you were... Louise off top yeah. of the pops yeah. on Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think every mum knows, especially when they're a working mum, there's no better job in the world than having a family and bringing up your kids, but you do lose a sense of you. And I definitely lost a sense of me. And I think having a, a successful husband, it's great in some ways, but it's also a reminder of you not being successful and that you're the one at home. And just because you have a family, you don't lose your passion for things you love. Mm. Um, and I think for many years I felt guilty for wanting to have my own career again and, yeah. and also finding the right thing and think gradually over the years my confidence and self-esteem did really go doing Strictly it did just bring something out in me a confidence that I don't think anything else could have but I think that's the thing that, that you know people at home related to particularly yeah. the mums as I say you were there representing a portion of the population that yeah. sometimes told to kind of be quiet and be in the yeah. shadows I think we feel guilty I think you get to a certain age and you just kind of lose the motivation the something happens I think you just put so much energy into your family and yeah. you feel that's what you should do and I think no matter what your job is I think us women think and feel the same and I have had so many women walking up to me on the street and just saying thank you so much for doing that because you really inspired me to go and get on with something I want to do or another one people always say I've never seen you look so happy and I think when people said that to me I realised how much I needed to do something for me. And yeah. it's been six months, six intense months of my life and um, six amazing months as well. And I've made friends for life. And, yeah, it's nice being Louise and not Louise Redknapp for a little while. Yeah, no, I, I can get that as well because I, I, I think the thing is, you know, you and Jamie married relatively young yeah. in 1998. And, and, you know, you went from Louise to Louise Redknapp. And the reality is Redknapp's not a common name. Yeah. You know, so yeah. everybody knows yeah. who your husband is and yeah, that you're his wife. Jamie Redknapp's wife yeah. for 10 years. I, I, that's what I was known as. I've got to be honest, there's a lot of girls who'd live with that. <laughs> <laughs> I might consider it myself, to be fair. And, and, yeah, and I don't mean that in a negative way, no. but you kind of lose a little bit of your... Yeah. Especially when you've come from the pop world from and you've been world, yeah. a singer and a performer and you've had that. And I wouldn't change it for the world and to be known as Jamie Redknapp's wife is obviously amazing. I've been known as it for 20 years now, but there's also a part of me that really enjoyed secretly, and I most probably shouldn't say it, but just being Louise. Of course. 
Was there ever a point where the pressure was so intense that the, the pleasure was getting taken away from the from just learning to dance? I think that the semi-final week was the week that was my worst week. I wasn't feeling very well. Um, I lost both grandparents whilst doing Strictly, yeah. which was really tough. Week two, which was just in it, and we were doing um, the Viennese Waltz, which was to a beautiful song called Hallelujah. And yeah. literally Monday morning at 10 o'clock, my mum come to tell me my granddad had died. I thought, how am I going to get through this week? I was very close to my grandparents. And then my nan died five weeks after that. So I felt that there was moments. It wasn't all just plain sailing. There were yeah. moments that I did really have to dig deep and try and pull something out of the bag. And being me, I didn't want to tell anybody down at the studio that I'd lost my grandparents because, you know, I just kept it in and tried to... Well, why? Why didn't you want to tell anyone? I think if I went and told everybody that I'd lost them, I would... I don't know. I thought people would have been concerned. Would I get through the week? Would I be able to do the show? And I suppose it was easier just to, to just get on with it. I obviously told Kevin because I kept crying, so he wondered <laughs> why I kept crying for rehearsals. Um, <laughs> That's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> that was it? a giveaway. Um, so there was definitely moments and definitely ups and downs. And I think the semi-final week was the week where I had two dances. They were the toughest dances. And that was the week that I was convinced I was going home because the other guys all danced brilliantly. And I think I just put so much pressure on myself Knowing my luck, I thought I just won't get to the final. It'll just be cut short of the final. And it was actually that week that I was so grateful of the public that voted for me because yeah. that was definitely a heartfelt vote rather than a best dancing vote. <laughs> and that that bit in the final, and anyone who's watched any of these these shows, whether it be X Factor, Strictly, any of those moments where there's public votes or you're all stood there and the, the light <laughs> comes on, you go, oh. yeah. I always try and place myself in that situation, the intensity of that, because you've already done everything that yeah. you, you ever thought you were going to do, whether yeah. you were going to win it, not just get to the final, and the fact that you were running up was brilliant. But I'd love someone just once, you know, when they, when they, know. When they name the other person, <laughs> instead of going, oh, it's, it's a turn, I go, shit! <laughs> Bastard! I think, fucking bastard! I think Kevin would have liked to have done that because <laughs> yeah. it was his fourth time of yeah, coming you second. See, you could see on his face. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? I, 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 we all were just pleased to be in the final. We all felt that by getting there, you had achieved as much as you could. And I'd be a liar if I said I wouldn't have wanted to have won by that stage, of course. But by the end of it, you become so close to these people. And it's so hard because you tell people, and especially my husband, I think he thinks I'm crazy. He's like, well, you barely know these people. But because they're the only people that really understand the intensity yeah. of it and are in the bubble and what it actually means, that yeah. you become very close. And with my hand on my heart, either of those boys winning would have been as good as myself winning because they're, no. they're great people. All right, yeah, we'll go with that. But in our house, we all think Danny was a bit of a cheat. I've never danced. Fuck off, Danny, I've never danced. <laughs> Yo, you've had the pop career as a young girl now, and yo, I was looking at it, and even though I've known you like a lot of people, I've known you both as Louise in the pop career, and then as Louise Redknapp and the television presenter and everything else, I just didn't realise how many of those songs that I recognised were your songs. You yeah. kind of forget when you look at the figures, as I say, 15 million records sold, and, and the age of you when all this happened. Yeah. Now, our research said, whether this is true or not, you, you were seen in a, in a nightclub when you were 16. 
So, first of all, what were you doing in a nightclub I when think you were I was 16? Not quite 16, actually. Um, do you know, it was, this is such a the way of life, isn't it? So I was out with two friends and we wasn't planning on going to a nightclub. Um, we were walking down Tottenham Court Road and it was about eight o'clock at night. I think we were just going to go and have a burger or do something like hanging out, you know? And then um, we walked down and we was like, oh, shame we can't get in anywhere. But we looked young. I looked like a 15, 16 year old. Yeah. Um, and these two bouncers were outside this club and said, girls, do you want to come in the club? And we were like, oh, yeah, this is our lucky day. So in we go to the milk bar and me and the girls just started dancing and we were having the time of our life because we had been allowed in a club. We didn't even have money to buy drinks. We were just dancing to the music. And uh, the guy come up to me and said, can you sing? I want to give you my card. And um, I took it and I was like, okay, in the back pocket and carried on. And then when I got home, I said to my mum, oh, so I went out with the girls last night. We didn't go anywhere. It was just this little place and a guy gave me his card. I didn't tell her I'd gone to the milk bar in Tottenham Court Road. She would have killed me. <laughs> I was meant to be having a sleepover at the girls' house. <laughs> I was having a sleepover having a and sleep. this fella gave me a card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good. And um, she was like, do not be stupid. You are not ringing this person. What? And first of all, where, why was you out at this time of night and that's the last time you go to the, you know... Catherine's house and this is not this is not on Louise you know you, you've never done this before and I kept the card and the next day at school I rang the number and it was the head of A&R Records at Polydor. I just say that sentence again. Yeah. Yes the next day when I was at school. Yeah. And <laughs> well we had a payphone at school I remember it like it was yesterday because <laughs> we didn't have mobiles oh, I was at school. Yeah just pause there might be people under 25 watching this. <laughs> The payphones where you put a, uh, you picked it up and pipped went beep 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 and you so I can imagine the head of A and R Polydor Records here and the beep going off oh, for Christ's sake. I literally did. I rang and I, I rang the number on the card and it was like, hey, Danny Singlesby at Polydor Records. I was like, oh, couldn't put the phone down. I was like, he's genuine. He he was from Polydor Records. And then I rang back and he said, can I speak to your parents? And I gave them my parents' number and it was all very legit. And he asked if them if that they would bring me into the studio to see if I could sing. I mean, let's clarify, this wasn't a random situation because at the time you were going to a Talia Conte, yeah. so you were going to a performing arts school, yeah. you, you had that desire in you. I was obviously giving it large on the dance floor, <laughs> being a real stage school girl, you know, like kind of knocking everyone else out of the way so I was recognised. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to... I, I loved everything, going to, to school. I actually... For me to go to Conti's, I, I came from a world where going to a stage school wasn't really an option. I grew up with my mum on our own for eight years and then she met my dad who became my stepdad. So life had been pretty, you know, as, as I had a, an amazing life, but it wasn't plush in any way. It was very, very normal. Um, I lived in Lewisham and then Elton with my mum in a flat. And So she spends eight years as a single mum yeah. bringing you up. Yeah. But at that time, were you already going to dance classes or performing? Yeah, I think because it was just me and my mum for so many years, I think a way she, you know, filled time and she took me to elocution lessons. We lived in a tower block in Lewisham. I went to the roughest school and I could speak better than anybody because she just knew I loved 
doing things and, and singing and dancing. So every night of every week, we literally sat in a hall while I did singing, dancing, acting lessons. Because that, that is sort of the point, like, there's been times when we have been together socially and, and you know, something's annoyed you and you can see that you're getting angry and Jamie does say, oh, watch this, he's turning into Lewisham Lou. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> it's all going to come out again. Yeah. Yeah, they say don't you can take the girl out of Lewisham, but you yeah. can't take Lewisham out of the girl. No, if I need to have a fight, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but that phase of your life and that respect that you've obviously got for your mum, that must give you God, a great respect for single parents who are going oh, through similar things. Absolutely. It's, I always think people can view a life from the outside, and I think mine's always looked very rosy, and it has been because I might not have had the most normal of beginnings with my mum, but I was very loved. And she worked very, very hard to give me everything she could, and, and that is one thing, no matter what you've got, to be able to give your child opportunities yeah. in life, I think is the most important. And she managed to do that for me with nothing on her own. So, yeah, I totally respect single parents, and it's tough. And what did you learn when you go into a state school? I mean, you're talking about fame and stuff, but for, for people who've never been in one, what, what do you actually learn? What skills does it give you? The thing it taught me the most was to learn to accept rejection, because in this industry you get rejected a lot. And I think you just learn to be... It does make you kind of put yourself out there. It, it teaches you that you're not going to get anywhere by holding back. You've got to give 100%. And I think this was where me struggling to accept Strictly for a while, because I knew that I could only go into something like that if I could give it everything, otherwise it was a waste of time. And um, I think going to a stage school taught me that. You, you can't half-heartedly do anything when it comes to being on the stage. This podcast is sponsored by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want the home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf, alongside other UK TV Play exclusives including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries and paranormal TV, all for free. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. You're in stage school, you're in a nightclub of 15, 16, whatever it is, you get spotted and then you come out of stage school to go into eternal yeah. to, you know at 17 mm. yeah much. eternal just it went obviously into a crazy direction and when you're in a band like that and it moves so quickly and there's such a huge amount of money invested in you and a huge record company behind you you actually lose your feet for a while because you just go and you have no idea how famous you've become because you you just solidly work and you're in a bus or a plane a car 
a studio. You're like this, surrounded by people. And you know when they say people's entourage, it is true. You don't yeah. see outside of the entourage that are, are around you. But also, you, you, you were kids. I mean, you were, yeah. you particularly, yeah. you know, what, what, 16, 17, yeah. and then the album comes out, you're 18. Yeah. And that goes like multi-platinum and mm -hmm. you're trying to break America. Yeah. And then, and then you left. <laughs> but it seemed like you left before the second album. Yeah. And then, then went off on your own as Louise. And there, there was a lot of suggestions, or a lot of questions as to why you left. I, I think for, for me, I was really unhappy and it was tough. We, we... But how, again, looking outside in, how could you be unhappy? Because surely that was everything that you wanted. It kind of was, absolutely. But we, I think there were so many factors to why I was unhappy. I think one was, I, I just wanted to go home. I just needed time away. I remember being in Southeast Asia, actually, and I'd been away for four months. And me and the girls were very different. And I don't, we didn't particularly get on when I was in Eternal. And I don't just blame them for that. that. I blame myself for not being stronger and not being more assertive and fighting back. I think I just allowed myself to become a bit of a victim with them rather than saying, hang on a minute, this isn't fair. So, so to, to explain for people who don't know, there's yeah. two sisters in your friend Kelly, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. And it was tough. We, we didn't always get on. And I think I lost a bit of Lewisham Lou. Yeah. <laughs> she disappeared. And um, yeah, and, and being in Eternal became a chore. It was something, it, it made me not enjoy singing and performing and dancing because... But what the press picked up on was the fact that you were the only white member. Yeah. And there was a suggestion that for, for them to break America, yeah. some of the record bosses felt it was confusing to, to know Mm -hmm. where to market them if they had three black girls and one white girl. Do you know, that none, That was absolutely not true at all, actually. And, and in America, and luckily we had success in America, I think the fact that we were a multiracial group, it yeah. was actually quite a positive thing for them because it hadn't been done loads before. Me leaving was purely a nightmare for everybody, but I just got to the stage where it's never been about being famous for me. It's never been about people recognising me on the street. I genuinely love music and yeah. I'd do it for free if I could. I wasn't enjoying it. I was terribly homesick because um, I was traveling with girls. We were all just so different. I was I was obviously a softie by this stage and the girls had grown up. But was there an age difference? There was an age difference, only about five years. And the girls had grown well, up with nine brothers and sisters. And to be fair, five years when you're 18 and they're 23, that's, yeah. that's big. Yeah, it, and it was tough and, and I think I maybe just didn't get how they were. And, and since leaving, we've met and we've completely talked about the differences we, we've had. And it was such a shame, because I think now it was a bad decision to have left. I should have been strong enough, because I think, where could we have been now if we had stuck together as a band? Yeah. The music was great, we were selling millions of albums. I feel I bowed, I feel like I, I let myself down and I let them down, but I was genuinely, I used to get up in the morning and dread going to work. And that was the thing, so you're in a band that, that's doing well, as you say, playing millions of albums. You leave, you're 18, 19. Now that, for a lot of people, is the end of the story. <laughs> but that's where you then relaunch yourself as, as Louise. Yes. <laughs> and actually, when I left Eternal, I had no 
idea that I was going to make an album and everyone thought that the record company had been kind of like grooming and it was all going to be this is how it was going yeah. to go. Because it, se it seemed to go so smooth, you yeah. kind of left the tunnel and then I think they brought out another album and you brought yeah. out your, your first yeah. album. It wasn't planned at all. I went up to see the, the, the MD of EMI Records and I went in because I was thinking I've got a five album deal here, this is a nightmare for them, are they going to sue me? What's what are they going to... And they did persuade me to go and do the Take That tour, actually. We toured with Take That around yeah. Europe. I, I said I wanted to leave, and they said, you've got to do this tour, which kind of did change my life because that's where I met Jamie, yeah. which, you know, obviously took a whole new direction. But from the outside point of view, you seem to be on top of the world, and then... And then the next day, you know, there's the fairy tale romance with Jamie because all of a sudden what fits the tabloid impression of perfection more than a beautiful pop star marrying a beautiful footballer? <laughs> you know, which, which is what happened. But you were yeah. only young, weren't you? Yeah, we were married by 23. Yeah. I mean... Now, I read something. I don't know whether this is true because neither of you have ever told me, but that you got engaged and married in the same week. Well, no, we actually got engaged. Jamie had been stretched off of an England game, I think. A and I'd gone to see him at the hospital. And um, he was down and I stayed in the hospital for four nights with him. Kind of slept on a pull-out bed and went out and got him food. And I sat there and he, I was sat on the chair in the hospital and his legs up, you know. And he says to me, do you fancy getting married? I was like, what? What do you mean to a fancy getting married? He said, I think we should get engaged. I was like, well, what on earth has made you say this now? We've only been properly dating for a few months. And I, but I'd been friends with him for years. And um, he just said, I don't think there'd be another woman in the world that would have sat there with me like this. I was like, oh, there'd be plenty, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't let on to that. And, um, yeah, and I also think I was most probably the first woman he had met that didn't want to date him for the first three years. I think um, it took me a while to want to go out with him. Why didn't you want to go out with him straight away? Because he was a dodgy footballer that had loads of girls after him. I did not want to fall into that category at all. I just thought I didn't want to just be one of those. Yeah. But there we, we were friends for years. We, we just kept in touch. Mm. I mean, he always wanted to be a bit more, but I just, just wasn't for me at that stage. I knew what these boys were like. I mean, you know what they were like. I don't know. You do. <laughs> they were having the time of their life and it was just really important to me that... I think I liked him such a lot that I almost needed to back off. And then, I don't know, it just changed and we ended up getting married. But, but married at, at a young age yeah. and also married within a blaze of publicity, really. Mm -hmm. Although it was, a, it was a private affair, wasn't it? You, yeah. you kept that, yeah, you went away. Yeah, 20 of us on a beach, on a boat and then on a beach. Very, very private. Yeah. I think privacy has been a, the key to being married for 20 years. But it's a difficult thing, because as you say, you saw privacy, but you've had a, a very public relationship, you know, because you were at the, the, the height of your pop fame when you first got married, he was at the height of his playing. Mm. And that didn't just stop overnight, you didn't just... No, no. I don't know if it's because we were both so young or we'd been in it for such a long time that you just take it all a bit of a pinch of salt and by this stage I think normality was so important and to keep that and I think that's one thing that I've always managed to do through my life I do it now with my kids when when the door shuts no matter you know my life can go from being on the red carpet at a gorgeous you know something or another to going home and getting the hoover out and clearing up dog mess from the garden <laughs> it's just you know the normality is what makes you appreciate the great stuff yeah 
But that's a, a, a more and more difficult thing to have, isn't it, the, the, the higher your profile I think is. it's harder now, especially with social media and, and now that, you know, when I was starting out, you didn't make money from selling yourself, really. There was the odd magazine. But apart from that, you made money from doing what you were good at. I think now there's such a bigger intrusion into your life and your personal life becomes a bit of a show as well and mm. something people were interested in. And, and I can't remember it being like that years ago. I, I feel that we were kind of left alone. More. Well, certainly, yeah, because you had married 98 and then you had those six years before, before you had Charlie where, where you were in public profile. But when I was looking through stuff, there wasn't the kind of pouring over you that, that you find yeah. in some instances now. I remember someone saying to me once, actually, and it was a, a big PR guy that I was working with, and he said to me very early, if you don't use the press, they won't use you. And it just stayed in my mind. And I think what he meant by that was don't be that person calling up, wanting the pap shots when you're coming out of the swanky restaurant mm. with, you know, your new handbag and that. Because if you play that game, then don't expect them to leave you alone yeah. when you wish. And, and I respected that and I, I lived by that then. I thought, I'm not going to use them for anything other than the career I'm, I'm, I need to push yeah. and we'll play 50-50. And I feel that they've been pretty respectful to us, actually. And this is one of those things that you think, right, your life's going to change now. You're going to become a mum. Yeah. But at the year that you're about to have your first son, you're also named <laughs> an FHM as the sexiest woman of the decade. Timing. <clears throat> this, I, mean, timing. I mean, the timing of that. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, the whole... Well, well, I just don't wait to say it's terrible. Because <laughs> I had to go to the awards eight months pregnant and pick up my <laughs> award for being the sexiest woman. And I had a green dress on and I looked like an apple. It's horrendous. Well, I tell I've you never what... been so unsexy in my life. Why Pregnant. did I go? Why did I just not turn up and say I couldn't make it? Because there's nothing wrong with a woman who's becoming a mum going, OK, I'm still sexy. Admittedly, that's what you were like when you turned up. This is the picture of the cover that announced you were the sexiest. I was actually pregnant in that picture. No way! I was three months pregnant because I remember turning up and um, them saying we're going to do a swimwear shoot and thinking, oh no, they're just going to think I've been eating a few pies and sort of really breathing in. But I was three months pregnant when I shot that, yeah. How does that affect your life? You know, do, do you go home and, and your husband go, bring it out, love. Everyone's taking the piss out of me in the dressing room. Or, or do, do you separate you from yeah. the image of you? That's not real life at all. I by no means ever thought I was the sexiest woman in my street, let alone in the world or the decade. I think um, it was just part of a job. It yeah. was, I, I know I'm not the sexiest woman of the decade or, or whatever, I was very aware. I think what during that time of lad, lads mags and things like that, I think I was just really accessible. And I think people could relate to me and they liked me. Yeah, and that yeah, was it. yeah. it is alliteration because your name's Louise, but everyone I've said, oh, I've got Louise. Oh, lovely Louise, <laughs> lovely Louise. You have got this persona of being lovely and being the girl next door. And then the lad mag culture said, oh, there's a sexy girl next door. Yeah. And I think that was just, you know, in music going back years ago, there wasn't all the channels and the different things. Now you had your Top of the Pops, you had magazines, you had to try and get front covers. And, and FHM, I think, was one of the biggest selling magazines. So to get on their cover really made a difference in your, your record sales. Um, so we would always push for this just to try and keep selling records, yeah. like I said. Otherwise, you lose your record contract if you don't sell records. So everything was kind of like a purpose to the end of, of selling music. And to be part of it, it was it made a difference. But did it, did you ever 
question whether that was objectifying women. Um, do you know, back then, no. Now, looking back, older, I can completely have a different view on it and think, was that always the right thing to do? But at the time, it was just fun. Yeah. It was not, and, and I never did anything that my grandparents wouldn't have been proud of. You know, if my grandparents couldn't buy the magazine, I would never do anything that was overtly sexy or smutty. It would just always be like, I think that was about as sexy as it ever got, which I was, was it. You can quite go. overtly sexy. I've got <laughs> well, to be you could wear, everyone wears a bikini or a swim costume and. Now, being older, and if I had a daughter, would I think it's different now. But back then, that was classed as a bit of fun, and yeah, and I get, I get that because the lad mag's culture. But, but I asked you that specifically because a few years later, you did the documentary, yeah. the Size Zero, yeah, which was a real examination of the objectification of women, yeah. of this idea that women have got to be a size zero. But at the same time, you were the face of Triumph Underwear. So on one side, you were presenting the thing to try and achieve and then on the other you were challenging whether that was a good idea. Yeah, well, I think doing Triumph, the reason Triumph actually employed me was because I wasn't a size six yeah. with no bust and a bum. I had boobs, I had a bum and I had a figure. Um, I know I wasn't a big girl, but I still had a woman's shape. And what the truth about size zero was more about, you know, trying to obtain that boyish figure of they were using such young models that hadn't even developed. And we were looking at 15 year olds that still were going through puberty. So, um, yeah, but... for people who don't know the documentary, basically the size zero was the American dress size which we will call a size four. Yeah. And, and you, as a natural size eight, then wanted to see if you yeah. could lose weight and what effect it would have on your body to get into that, that size yeah. of dress. Yeah. Which was quite dramatic. You were sick, you were nauseous, you were, yeah. you were ratty at home because you were so hungry. Yeah, it made me ill. I, I took the programme on because I, I nearly lost a friend to anorexia and, and when the TV channel said, would I be interested in making a documentary and, and trying to lose a stone and a half in four weeks because because I think I was eight stone and I ended up at six and a half stone. And I took the challenge on and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I think it's one of the things I'm most proud of in my career because still now girls write to me and they watch that programme and they say that they can understand and it's helped them. I mean, I spent time with young girls and boys in anorexic homes. Um, and like I said, my friend was given three or four days to live, which was why I said yes to the programme because I understood it and I understood the illness yeah and i went down to six and a half stone what you've done for the last 10 years and this last last period of your life with strictly is the performing side yeah definitely. The, the actual being on a stage doing something and at the end of it people applaud yeah and I can completely relate to that. It is yeah. in its own way a drug. What do you think the next stage is for you? Do you know, all, all I really want to do, if given the opportunity, I'd just love to do the West End. I think I'm not worried about having the big accolade and being on the, the, the programmes and presenting programmes that millions of people watch. I think, like you said, people applauding you after something you love doing and something you're good at is the best drug in the world. And um, that's what I loved about Strictly. And, and that's what it reminded me and what I think did really change everything about the way I think about things from the last 10 years. I love performing and it's the thing that I'm best at. And to go and have the opportunity and to go and do some West End for me, I think would be where that's kind of all I really want to do. Just well, be back up boys, there. boys, slightly different for Jamie because that's the girl that he married. Yeah. He married a performer and a pop star. But for your boys, you've been there, mum, and then all of a sudden you're, you're performing again. How 
was how was that been for them? Do you know, I was really worried about how they would be because also I've not been around as much and, you know, you, you do beat yourself up about that. It's, it's tough when you know someone else is putting your kids to bed every night and doing their homework and you feel incredibly selfish. But um, I think they've embraced it because I've been so happy and I think there's nothing better in life than seeing the people you love happy. And my kids are bright. They, they get that. They, they know what it's like to see their mum be mm. unhappy and now they know what it's like to see their mum, you know, walking on cloud nine and, and loving doing what she's doing. And they love coming to watch. And they came and watched the Strictly tour. And when I saw them, and, and especially the little one, he ran up to me and gave me the biggest hug. And it was such a genuine hug of mum. I'm so proud of you. That was amazing. That Yeah, I think, I think they're going to... Anything I do from now on, I think that they will love and embrace. And I will make them as big a part of it as I can. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that's a beautiful way of ending a very good conversation, isn't it? Please put your hands together for Louise Redmond. This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.